to the Fire and Bones podcast. I'm Michael Crosswhite, pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And I am Nathan Loudon, the pastor of Millwood Baptist Church in Austin, Texas. Follow the podcast, rate it. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this week's episode. You know, in a Venn diagram, how much of an overlap is there in the pornography industry and the sex trade industry? I don't know. There's a um, there's a, a interview you should watch that is uh, between Michael Knowles of the Daily Wire, yeah. and um, I don't know his name. I can't remember his name, but he is. Um, he became a Christian. He was a male porn star and became a Christian. Hmm. Wow. And um, I think, I think like not just a Christian, I think he became like a reformed Baptist. Like, like real, so real Christian. <laughs> 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 what I mean is like there's like <laughs> like you know I don't know. Sometimes when people become Christians, you're like, he became Christian and he's like he became a kind of a liberal version of something that might look give the appearance to most as a christian or you know whatever and it's like you know doesn't believe in creation and nothing you know <laughs> but like but like it's like some of the things that he's he's saying and i think some of the places he went to i'm like hmm, that's interesting anyway like what like give an example <laughs> uh well i do think he's baptist because I think he says that in the interview. Um, and he like, he kind of goes, a, just he touches on a little bit of the difference between Michael Knowles and himself in like Catholic thought versus gotcha. Baptist thought. So that he's like, I don't mean re- reformed Baptist in the sense that like, I, I don't even know that he's reformed, but I, I think he's Baptist in the sense that like, he's actually like, he's understanding the differences between, you know, himself and Catholicism yeah. and, and you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, anyway, not all that, that is yeah. not even the point of what I was trying to say, but, um, yeah. it's a really interesting interview of him talking about all the different things that are going on, mm-hmm. you know, in the pornography industry and how it all works. And like, um, you know, the things that like the, especially the girls go through, um, and what the life is like for people that are in that industry. And it's so sad, man. It is like, not only is it degrading, but it's just, it's like, it, it almost has a way of, you know, talking about the actors themselves. Oh, the participants that view it as well, I think, but it has a way of like turning them into animals, mm-hmm. you know, just, Mm-hmm. that's all that you're just uh you are you are literally just a body that's it mm-hmm. you know and yeah. we can swap you out for somebody else and not think twice about it and we don't care anything about you at all as a person you know here today gone tomorrow and the and, and the way he was describing it you can it's like you you almost can see a devolution, you know, where they they gradually explain, just explain that word, like they de- they devolve into, um, they they start to buy the thought that they're not created in the image of God, that they are just, um, that they're they're useless, that they're worthless mm-hmm. people. And that uh, nobody loves them, nobody cares about them, and that's probably true to some extent, you know, that mm-hmm. uh, of what they, yeah. yeah, in their experience. And um, I mean, it is so sad. And he's he's tell, talking about the suicide rate of all these people, and and you know, um, it was really 
depressing, I guess is one way to say it, but it's very, mm-hmm. it's, it's just an eye opening and like, um, and I don't know that I can't remember if in that interview he gets into too much of the, how much sex trafficking has to do with it. Um, mm-hmm. you know, but in the industry as a whole, I know there's tons of stuff like that that's, <coughs> right. you know, that's going on. You're it's, just a commodity and people are making money off of you. Yeah. And it's what, it's what you're a part of when you're viewing pornography. Yeah. It's the, you get the, I, I, most of the time when people are looking at pornography first time or regularly, they're, they're just, it's totally lust. It's totally sensuality. And there's no concept of the world and, and what's going on back there. It's part of how you get into pornography and how you stay there is you yeah. yourself, you dehumanize yourself. You turn yourself into, you know, you, you boil yourself down to your lust, down to sensuality, down to your um, fleshly desires, which are really also fueled by spiritual desires that are twisted sinfully into selfishness and pride. And, and man, it's, I don't, I I don't know. Maybe you would say, I think pornography hasn't really been in industry that long. And like it is now in terms of technology uh, that long in terms of like world history in in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Sexuality has always been there. Prostitution has always been there. Adultery has been there. Lust has been there. Um, Images of some sort have always have been there for a long time. I mean, mean, people have been painting and drawing things for a long time. Yeah. But even in our, uh, even in mine and your childhood, there was not what, um, our kids are experiencing today. No, in terms of industry availability, uh, frequency, the cultural, uh, normative, you know, the cultural norm that pornography is in so many places. Right. And I, it's, and I think catching up to even secular, uh, science, psychology is catching up and going, wait a second, this isn't good. Right. The, what it does to your brain is not good. What it does to your social life is not good. I mean, I've seen recently, um, actually it was a guy that came to do, uh, Caleb Morell came to do a talk on, um, uh, uh, like technology, he and his wife, uh, he's, he's a guy from Capitol Hill Baptist church. His wife, uh, does, um, I can't remember the organi- the organization that she works for, but it's, um, it's in DC and they're kind of lobbying uh, legislators for uh, technology reform. And he talked about the fact of like, you've got teenagers and 20 year olds who cannot get aroused, who are, don't want to be around actual women who mm-hmm. don't want to have an actual relationship with a woman mm-hmm. who are turned off by actual physical touch by another woman. And, mm-hmm what what the the kind of addictive ongoing years uninterrupted what it does is being noticed by not not just christians from a a moral spiritual perspective of the image of god and god's law and love and uh, covenant and those kinds of things but psychological things they're even noticing this is really not doing good uh, for us, there's right. pl- plenty of uh, research behind it. Um, what What do you? Th- I mean, the the industry is huge, billions and billions of dollars. The it's common, it's free, it's easy, it's accessible. You know, I shared an article with you this week about. Uh, Pornhub being blocked. Well, they weren't blocked, but they were. Those states began to require um, some form of ID. They they blocked the state. But the state had what had the state yeah. set up? That they didn't? So the states have have started. Some states, especially um, like more conservative states, red leaning yeah. states, have 
enacted <clears throat> laws that have required age verification on adult websites and the the uh, penalty that can result is that the distributor can right. be sued if it's found that a minor had access to their website so so the the reason that they've done it that way essentially is the state then doesn't have to block anything on the internet because they really don't have the power to mm-hmm. this the the person that a lot of this goes back to abortion law actually in texas and things like that because they're very similar but the one the family affected has the ability the family of the minor the parents and legal guardians of the minor that was affected have the ability to take the company, the distributor to court and sue them in the court in that state. And, um, and so what that means then is that the adult sites are then blocking themselves from that state, blocking anyone who would access their stuff from that state because they can't get appropriate age verification software mm-hmm. put up in front of mm-hmm. the website or it's not worth the risk yeah. or a whole host of other issues. And um, so one particular website, I think we should probably blur it out or bleep it out whenever we say it, but um, yeah. but one particular website, the, the most accessed website uh, on the internet for that material um, has basically just blocked access from those states. That's not to say you couldn't get a, somebody couldn't get around that, of course, but it, but mm-hmm. it is a significant uh, step forward, I think, mm-hmm. in the in the fight that some of the states are coming on and saying, look, I mean, even <clears throat> I've seen statistics that say that um, that testosterone and uh, sperm production is even going down. Yeah, because because yeah. because Same. of that, and and so, <clears throat> which I don't even understand. I don't really understand that necessarily from a medical standpoint how that how that works. But there is something in the human body that produces you know sperm and and things like that when there is physical um, interaction between man and woman, where that doesn't happen. Um, through something like pornography. So you've got a situation where the government, like the only reason the government is ever even involved in marriage and incentivizes marriage is because it wants to replace its population. That's the whole, that's the goal, right? That's, that, that was the big thing with Obergefell in 2015, them redefining marriage as they overstep their boundaries and, and things like that. But when the whole reason that they're in the, game of giving tax breaks to married couples and you know uh, for children and for dependents and things like that is because they incentivize the having of children so this is a situation where the government actually should be very much involved or get out of the game altogether like you you've either got well, you can't have it both ways you can't in 2015 decide we're going to we're so powerful we can define marriage now or we can uh, redefine marriage and then when it comes to situations like this then get out of the game you can't do that that's that's speaking out of both sides of your mouth you're either in or you're out and if you're in the position which i don't like the 2015 decision but if you're going to get into the position where you're defining marriage then you've also got to protect it and you have a responsibility as a government to protect it and you're not, you know, and that doesn't mean that you can do everything there is to do about it. But even a, even an alcohol website, if you go to a beer website right now, any manufacturer of alcohol, they will, they will make you at least click a box that says you're 21. Yeah. You know, not that that's yeah. anything. That's not, that's nothing, yeah. you know, yeah. but so is going to a beer website. That's, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, if I found out my kid was going to a beer website, that would be the least of my concerns, you know, we'd have a conversation, but it would be the least of my concerns. What what is an IPA? (laughs) uh, But I mean, but I mean, that's the least of my concerns, you you know, do you think the government 
is there a biblical uh, directive that the government should be more involved or that the government should just kind of get out of the, the business of moderating or regulating sexuality, period? You know, I mean, we have the Texas has its own, you know, was a, was a big case in the progression of uh, individual sexuality when homosexuality was made legal through a Texas versus, I don't remember the, the case. Um, but, you know, we're, we're still, we're still in the throes nationally, historically, of really trying to figure out like, where does the government get to say about who and when, and now it's come down to our kids and what they can see. So is there, does the Bible uh, prescribe what the government ought to do and what Christians ought to expect the government to do, and what should what should we be doing as 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 parents and Christians? Should we should our hope be, man, if the government would just crank down on this, society would, would be better and everyone you know, everything would get better. Um, I know that's probably like four questions, but that's kind of like the yeah. That whole the ballpark is hard right now. Yeah. Yeah. That, and that whole ballpark around that conversation of how much the government gets involved in is so fraught, not only fraught with difficulty. Part of the reason why that is so difficult is because, you know, every situation is a little bit different and, mm-hmm. you know, you've got different nuances with different laws and, and all those kinds of things that are, that are really just, they're a challenge to kind of work through, but I would say on the whole scripture is adamant that the government should always wield, you know, punishment, the sword, if you want to go that far, but mm-hmm. um, should always the enforce sword. laws yeah. that are moral and just and good. Yeah, the sword um, just being really a, a metaphor for enforcing. Yeah, enforcement. Punishing. Yeah, you're not going to get the sword out when someone. Yeah, not the death you know, penalty has necessarily. A, tra- but... a traffic ticket. Yeah, right, right, right. But that is yeah. the exercise of the sword, so to speak. The yeah, um, the enforcement of yeah uh, morality and social norms. I think the point to that is, you know, that the government should always be enacting laws that are morally upright, enforcing laws that are morally upright. So I, I, the reason that I that I say it that way and that I think that's the best framework to kind of work through, to begin working through, is because every, every uh, uh, civilization, every uh, law is going to be a little bit different and mm-hmm. is going to function different and have a different constitution. You're going to have a different framework and all that kind of stuff. And the Bible kind of cuts mm-hmm. through all of that. And basically just says the laws that they enforce should be moral and good. Mm-hmm. Now, moral and good is defined by scripture. That doesn't, I don't think, mean that they have to be the enforcement mechanism of all morality, nor should they. Mm-hmm. And I think the Bible is also clear that on the whole, they're all going to be the beast. And eventually they're going to try to push the church out. And they're going to try to become the church, essentially. Right now, I think in America, the government is has essentially pushed the church to the margins and has become the church of the masses. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's the beast. I mean, if you read Revelation, that is exactly what's being described, is yeah. the government, the beast, pushes the church to the margins, kills them even, uh, and and encourages people to come to the government for everything, to worship the, the beast. And there's a way that the church, I'm almost concerned that for a few decades, the, the church has almost felt like our strength, our power, our influence was ultimately through the government and through yeah. politics. Oh, we yeah. Kind of act, Still to this know, day, to some extent. As a, yeah, the evangelical vote is much smaller than we, I think, than we thought it ever was, really, and than it has been in past time. But we, it's almost kind of like we were, we wanted it to, we wanted the government to have that kind yeah. of control 
in evangelicalism because we thought that that's the exercise of power in terms of reforming society for good or sometimes the desire doesn't even seem to be reforming society from good as much as it is like kind of protecting our kids from the bad society you know um kind of cut it, cutting us off from you know I've, I've been reading on the uh the puritans and uh and a book on baptist history by thomas kidd the and the the puritans book and also read uh, one of my favorite books is about roger williams <clears throat> the idea when they came to when the puritans came to america of the pure society and the, the pure city the, the pure city on a hill uh actually made its way the puritans book i'm reading right now that language although not picked up in all of its theology and all of its uh um you know, ecclesiological implications got picked up by Reagan in the eighties city on yeah. the hill language. And yeah. I was reading, I was reading my book and I saw dates. It started. It didn't just get dates. picked up by Reagan. It didn't just get picked up by Reagan. It got picked up by Franklin. Right. Right. Back, back saying, in the it, time. It, it made it that far. I was reading my book and it was giving me dates like 1970s and eighties. And I was like, this has got to be a typo. What am I reading? Then I realized he was making the point like these things from the late 1600s uh, got into society that yeah. the, which goes back to our experience as Christians in England, where we're trying to wrestle apart the church from the state, but really there, there wasn't really a, a, a very pure separatism that came via, uh, uh, that came via, multiple places in Europe to America. There was, you know, uh, John Winthrop in the colony of Massachusetts Bay was nothing like separation of church and state no. today. So even us separatists, us, you know, separation of church and state people, we still like the power in a state and the exercise of a state. And yeah. so brings us to this question, like, I, I've, I've seen some you know information is huge today privacy is huge today and a lot of people have been pushing back well as soon as we start telling the government to regulate this for us uh they're going to start getting information and they're going to start being up in our business uh otherwise how could they possibly regulate this how could they possibly right. you know actually this this is not show your id at a store where a person is going to look at you and make a judgment and look at your ID card and, and see it. This, this is all information exchange. And right. I've seen, I've, I've actually been surprised the amount of pushback that I've just heard in the, in the news, at least I'm not familiar with many uh, actual movements, but the, the pushback that seems to be there on that, that kind of policy. And, and a lot of parents just kind of going, look, it's your job as parents to teach your kids, to train your kids, uh, to give your kids the Internet when they're ready to introduce them to social media. If, oh, if my and goodness, when. that's that's your job. It's not the gov what's the government going to do? You know, and what what is the government? The government has. So, some interest, yeah, obviously. More than, <clears throat> but, but is that. Is that even the government's job to parent your kids for you? Okay. You, the government's job is to protect its citizens. Period. That's what its job is to do, is to protect its citizens. And it and, and against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Mm -hmm. Define an enemy. The this is the this is the issue. I mean, this this really podcast is so much more than just porn it's about a whole bunch of other things too um what people fail to realize is that the enemy has changed no the enemy has always been the same but the 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 kind of enemy that thomas jefferson envisioned mm -hmm. or that that you know the founding fathers of this country envisioned were spies 
mm-hmm. and people with guns and mm-hmm. people, you know, betraying their country and, and things like that. And the mm-hmm. government's job was to protect its citizens against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Mm-hmm. That that the change that's taken place is that the enemy has become has become digital. Mm-hmm. And it's a far greater and more devious enemy than the world has ever known. Mm-hmm. Um, a so this this goes into like the ban of TikTok and the, that people have talked about, and mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. so so that there uh, pe- people will push a couple of couple of governors and states have made laws. Yeah, like I think that. Wyoming or Montana, one South of the two, Dakota or something. Yeah, somewhere yeah, somewhere up there <laughs> in flyover country. Um, <laughs> just, I'm just one, of those, one of those remaining cowboy countries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, where where there's still wild horses running uh, in yeah. somewhere in that area. What a great um, time to wild horses. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I I realized just recently your love for Garth Brooks is. Uh, I, I thought I liked Garth Brooks and his music, his old music. I've no, I have not heard one song from Garth Brooks since 1997. Like every song that I care about from Garth Brooks is before then. I'm sure. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Uh. But but this the whole uh, blocking of TikTok and things like that. Some people will push back against that and say, "Well, what is what business does the government have banning social media?" And um, you know, Facebook is you know is also getting your information and selling your information. This is not about selling your information. It's not about getting your information. Mm-hmm. That isn't that should not be the carrot. That is not the reason TikTok is banned. It has nothing to do with ads. It has nothing to do with uh, with with really getting uh, and knowing who's watching uh, mm-hmm. TikTok, you know, and and understanding it from a technological perspective, what is going on with many social media sites is uh, algorithms, which I know is a word that people throw around around, and, no, and no, hardly anybody knows what it means, but it's basically. Uh, a, pre- a predictive engine. But you're going to explain it for us, right? No, not at all. But it's it's basic. I mean, it's essentially a math equation that yeah. that basically predicts or yeah, basically learns its customer to the point that it can predict what they will like next, and be able to push content to them that uh, will keep them on the site. And so it, it, the algorithmic aspect of that is that it, it kind of learns you and applies the correct formula to you so that it gives you content. That it, that So there's one aspect of like Facebook, Twitter, Pornhub, or whomever that's grabbing your information. And that is a, an issue that is sort of separate. And it's an issue. Sure, it is something of concern. But there is a, a an issue where the government must get involved when when countries like China, for instance, actually actively use TikTok and the algorithm behind it to push programming content toward your children. It's not about gathering their information. It is about reprogramming <clears throat> them as people. And and teaching them, reinforcing things, and manipulating the society as a whole because that's what social media uh, companies have figured out. There probably are, and you know, I'm not, I'm not on Facebook, I'm not on Twitter, I'm not on it really any social media platform. I watch YouTube, but that's about it mm-hmm. uh, in terms of social media, if you want to call that social media. Um, but, you, you know, there, there's, there's one aspect of that where some of them probably have a conscience, and they're like, we have a lot of, a lot of power here, right? Mm-hmm. And they, they do at least it seems like maybe YouTube has a kids version, which I would never let my kids on there in a million years, you know, uh, and just trust it, you know, because yeah. the content on there is probably crazy, and I never have. Mm-hmm. But, but my point is that they at least have a, this is a kid's version. And, and our goal is that there's no objectionable content over there. Okay. So whatever that means and let them define that however they mean it. But yeah. at least there's some sort of conscience that's going on there mm-hmm. with TikTok and China. 
they are actively pushing out content that will train a civilization to think about life differently. And it's a version of TikTok that they do not give to their own citizens because it is a, it is a spy tactic. So imagine if you unleashed, if China unleashed a million spies into the country and their job was to just overthrow society and they were to do it, but the way spies do it, which is gaining trust, turning people, getting information, information. Yeah. yeah, and pushing people into combat with one another. Once the social media companies realized there was great power in these algorithms, then they then foreign adversaries started using these platforms to actively reprogram people through that same algorithm, and it's working. So you have these social contagions like transgenderism and these kinds of things that are growing like crazy. And they're largely growing through social media platforms because they're being manipulated by foreign adversaries. So those enemies, foreign and domestic, are not people that are on our shores with guns. They're they're entire governments that are working behind computers and that never leave their home. And they they yeah. they're doing the same. And so the, when you talk about Pornhub or you talk about any of these, that is the big problem here, is that your people. From a governmental perspective, your people are under an attack and it's an adversary you can't see. So there, what do you do? The, the spot and the Chinese spycraft one is a well-documented national security issue. Yeah. That's been a, you know, a question in Congress publicly for the last, you know, six to 10 months or so at least in terms of what are we going to do about it? last year yeah and but the the pornography thing is i see the similarity that this is a an attack on your people but this this is also really homegrown and the the destruction that it's doing is all is albeit agreed upon by modern science social scientists, psychologists, neurologists, but there still is an aspect of what, what makes this so dis- what is the actual destruction? It's the home, it's husbands and wives and families and marriages. It's the spiritual rot and decay. It's the actual, it, it's the you know, we, we've mentioned the word a few times, the, the image of God just gets destroyed. It's a matter of worship. You know, you walk into you walk into Egypt in Moses' time and you just start destroying statues, you're gonna get in trouble because that's that's the God's image. Yeah. Well, this our our children are God's image. Our our yeah. wives, women are God's image, and we're destroying it. So there is a, there is an aspect of a perspective of why this is so bad that I'm not sure. I, I just I wonder how much the government would ever be able to grasp, or we would expect the government to actually, um, you know, see see eye to eye on what makes it so bad. So okay, you so have to argue from. Do you have to argue from a different perspective when you're talking to people about? What's so, like a domestic issue? So bad. Um, yeah, yeah. I so you know on that whole you know enemy foreign and domestic aspect of this, the domestic aspect of this particular problem is something the government has to get involved in, and <clears throat> and you know you could you could easily get into a slippery slope that says the government is now in the place of guarding and protecting all the family's children. And and mm-hmm. and that's a problem. Nothing, mm-hmm. nothing, nothing removes the the issue from something that parents have to deal with in the home. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And all of us are going to face it. All of us are facing it, are going to face it. We see it, we'll see it in regular 
just children's programming sometimes that we're watching and we're like Andrew and I are looking at each other like no we're not doing this mm-hmm. you know whatever and it just it sneaks in and it's always it's always something you got to keep your guard up okay granted there's there's nothing that's going to replace the parent mm-hmm. but if my child walks into a bar and asks for a shot of vodka I would expect the bartender to ask for his ID, mm-hmm. right? Like that is a law. It should be enforced. And once he uh, is of the legal age to consume alcohol, then he makes his own decisions, you know? And that is that is and should be the case, I think, for most of the people in this country, I, I would not have one problem if porn was banned across our from sea to shining sea. I wouldn't have mm-hmm. one problem and would celebrate mm-hmm. that day. Yeah. That being said, if it's not, an adult can make the decisions that an adult makes, and we have set that age in this country at eighteen. I think most people agree that that's 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 fine. Although, hey, twenty one is looking a little bit better these days. <laughs> um, but, but still, okay. I, you should at least have, you should at least be paying your own cell phone bill. If you're not paying your own cell phone bill, you're not an adult. All right. Um, so <laughs> just bar, get, huh? that is the bar, you know, if you're not paying for your own medical insurance, you know, it's, you're yeah. not an adult. Um, yeah. so, but, but my point is that the government has a responsibility to set and enact laws that would prohibit a uh, enemy, a domestic enemy, from capturing children, mm-hmm. and to realize that you know you could say, well, ch- child trafficking—that's a parent's job. You know, if the parents aren't doing their job, they're not watching their kids in the parking lot. Then, sorry, mm-hmm. you know, I, I know they kidnapped your child, you know, and took him against his will, but you know, you weren't watching them in the parking lot or you lost sight of them for two seconds. And so we can't really do anything about it. That's preposterous. And no one would even argue that, right? The government would go, should go after them and pursue, you know, pursue justice to every extent of the law. And so what we're saying here is, of course, parents have the responsibility to protect their children inside the home and things like that. But a, a, a government can't just let an enemy run undeterred in the nation without any recourse at all when we know that they're targeting children and the 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 effect that that's having on our kids is that it's decreasing pro, uh, reproductive capacities. Mm-hmm. So a kid who's 11 years old or eight years old, p- kids are getting exposed to pornography at eight years old now yeah, and, and even younger. And they've got phones that they're just walking around with, which totally is a parent's negligence. I, I get that. But but the, a, a government has the responsibility to say they're attacking children. They're coming after children actively. They're trying to reach children. There's nothing in their programming or in their um, – in their, in their uh, securities and things like that that are designed to deter children. At all, yeah, yeah. and we're talking about a minimum bar here. You've got to be an adult to watch this. We're talking about that's a low bar. I mean, and that's something that, no pun intended, but a bar actually does. You know, Mm -hmm. is you got to show ID. You know, a grocery store makes you show ID if you're going to buy a bottle of wine. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, good grief. We can't do that for an an enemy inside our shores that is so much more damaging than alcohol everywhere. We thought alcohol was damaging. It's got nothing on pornography. I mean, nothing on pornography. Pornography will destroy an entire society quickly, overnight nearly. And, And without asking for permission or saying they're sorry. I mean, just... Rip it apart. And we can't, and the government can't come in and just say, uh, you got to be an adult. I mean, that's like, that bar is so low. You know, I'd be so, I'd be happier with much more, but that's, How many, yeah. It's like watching your, some child's going to have to physically walk into a building 
and you know or go to the grocery store and have to stand in front of a person and be seen by them you know like there's just yeah. a totally different kind of danger and submersiveness right that comes with stuff being online readily available and so inwardly destructive yes that ought to have everyone's attention uh, that this is not good and kind of like you alluded like we certainly shouldn't as parents be like well the government regulated that so i'm glad you know i'm glad we don't deal with that now yeah this is nothing on the internet works that way that yeah and that's what i think parents don't understand like the the big argument initially at the beginning of of all of the social media cell phones uh pornography at the beginning of all of that was hey parents if you give your kids these things they will have access to it and they will seek it out and your kids will want will will be addicted to pornography at younger ages you your your kids will are they're on social media whether you know they are or not and they're like they don't have a social media account you know this kind of thing Mm -hmm. And they do. They don't look at pornography. He doesn't look at pornography. He looks at this, that, or the other. No, he does. He just knows how to hide it from you. He's mm-hmm. kids are always the next generation is always better at hiding everything from their parents than you ever thought they would be at at much younger ages. So mm-hmm. okay, so there's all of that, right? That was the initial argument, and I don't think we were very effective with that because parents did it yeah. anyway. Especially in churches, parents gave their kids cell phones in spite of the warnings. And they said, well, we'll put protections in place and we'll do all of these kinds of things to, to make sure that my kid doesn't access those things. And they did anyway. They, they gave their kids the phones and the kids accessed it anyway. And the parents never found out. And then the kids were 18 or 21 and they, they realized they have an addiction to pornography. And the kids that became Christians were like, I have an addiction to pornography. My parents never did anything about it, right? So that was the argument initially. But what parents need to understand now is that social media actually has a reprogramming effect on the mind of your child. Mm-hmm. That, it, that it, is, it is the active agent that is working to undo everything you're doing in parenting. Everything. So mm-hmm. it, it is, uh, it, it's not something that your kid is the active agent who's then seeking it and voluntarily changing themselves. This is the virus that's coming into your child that you're giving them permission to, to access and they are, they are actively reprogramming them. So what you, what we're finding now, I, I talked to a, a, a lady who is uh, actually your cousin uh, who is a dorm director at our, at the university that we both graduated from. And, um, she was talking about, um, how the, the kids these days, like we, we went back to the university where we visited them and we saw all the stuff that the university has now that they didn't have when we were there. I mean, we had like a tiny little rinky dink high school football stadium that we used to go play at. And, you know, now they've like won the national championships. They built this massive stadium on the campus and it's like this big, beautiful, they got this, we had terrible food. They've got Chick-fil-A now and all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so we were giving it, we were touring all this with her and she, she was like, and we were like, man, we didn't have anything like this. And she said, all the kids come in here by themselves with their phone, they're depressed. They don't know how to make friends. And they just stare at the screens of their phones all day. That's all they do. And everybody complains that they're depressed, that they don't have friends. Man, we that was not our experience in college. Yeah. We went yeah. dam sliding. We went, you know, where you actually like literally slide down a dam. Uh, mm-hmm. And we went, we did, you know, we hung out at night, which is probably illegal. I don't know. It's got to be. Uh, talk about something the government should protect against. <laughs> this is what oh, your kids did. Rails up there. <laughs> so just so, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. This. So you know, we we did we did all these kinds of things. You know, we hung out together all the time, and they don't do yeah. that, and they don't know how to make friends. And you wonder yeah. why that is. 
why are they depressed? Why are they committing suicide? It's not because they, uh, you know, it's just an, an epidemic that's happening across teenagers nowadays. And it's just, you know, dealing, dealing with bullying and all that kind of stuff. No, it is a reprogramming that is taking place over your child mind with stuff that they are not ready for, that they have no categories for that an agent is actually enticing them in and encouraging them to keep going. And they go further and further and further. It's the same with pornography. It's the same with social media. It's the the same across the board. They all use the same technology to entice you to go further. So you notice that like the rapists and the, 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 the people that are like, they get in prison and then they go into their home and they're like, oh my goodness, what we found was this like just trove of stuff on their computer and things like this. And it was so perverse. It didn't start off that way. The guy didn't sit down at his computer and just Google the nastiest thing you could possibly imagine. No, he started off with something very simple. And all of the algorithmic technologies that are employed in those in those services, if you want to call them that, entice you to go to the next step. Keep going further until you're in such a hole of darkness that there you cannot see the light if you wanted to. And we're giving that to our children. We're putting it in their pocket and we're trusting ourselves to be able to, you know, fight against it. It's an enemy you don't understand. And if you don't understand it, how could you possibly protect against it? You know, it's impossible. Sorry, I know that was long, but it's a it's a soapbox of mine. It's a pet peeve. (laughs) Yeah. I, for one, think it took me a while to catch up. And two, I mean, just like dealing with it in in the home, you know, monitoring. If you have any kind of screen and you're trying to monitor that, you know, it's like Homer Simpson at the nuclear plant. Like, it's just how do what button do I what? And you've got this. What's the operating system for that? And it's a nightmare. Right. uh, For for parents. And then you just get, uh, get tired. You get yeah. exhausted. You're confused. Um, you're not sure, if, you know how how worth it it is to manage this stuff. Your kids are upset because they can't, you know, get on things. They can't access things. They're cut off from everything. Uh, it's a it's a huge and and, today. and the big and the big argument I always hear is you know well they got to learn it at some point. You know, they got to know how to operate a phone and they got to know how to operate an iPad. They're going to be behind everybody else. And so I'd rather them learn how to operate it while they're in my house and, mm-hmm. you know, have this and that kind of thing. Okay. First of all, I will go on record right now and, you know, maybe, maybe I'll, in 10 years, I'll be proven a fool. I will say that your child can make it through their entire life without ever having a smartphone, be a successful individual, run a business, operate in a business, be a, be a, a solid, you know, employee, employer, that kind of thing, have a successful career, retire at a good old age and be a solid Christian without ever owning a cell phone or ever owning an iPhone, ever owning a smartphone. I think you could, that could be, that that is a reality. I think your kid can make it through his entire life, his or her entire life with all of those things without ever posting on Facebook at all. The world, the world has deceived parents into thinking they have to have this. Here's another thing. How complicated is Facebook to actually operate? How many people do you know have gotten on it and been like, my parents can operate Facebook, all right? If my parents can get on Facebook and figure it out, so will your kid. So if they're an adult and they decide, you know what? I want to pay for my own iPhone and I want to I want to get on Facebook and I want to do Twitter and I want to do all those things, I promise you they're going to be able to figure it out. They're not going to get it. You teach them reading, writing, and arithmetic and you teach them all the subjects that they need to know. There's not a class in Stanford that that says, you know, well, we got to really teach them how to use Facebook. This is Facebook mm-hmm. 101. Like, this yeah. doesn't exist. 
because it's 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 so down the downstream from anything they could possibly ever need to know. Mm-hmm. You know, trigonometry ranks way higher than Facebook, right? Mm-hmm. So my point is, you don't have to teach them these things. You don't have to give them these things. It's not. We used to say it's like putting a heroin needle in their pocket. It's not. It's like actively injecting them with heroin. You're actively putting it in their arm and injecting them with heroin. And yeah, and and it's there. There is no good pornography. No, there is no. There's no good sensuality outside marriage. Not viewing it. I mean, educational purposes. Your, you know, your homeschool, uh, the the right kind of classroom bio, biological lesson is one thing, but there is no good introduction to those things. There is mm-hmm. no, um, there's no. I mean, I'll tell you right now, when when it comes to images, I can bring to mind the first two to three, four maybe images that I ever saw of pornography. Mm-hmm. I can bring it to mind right now. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I wasn't looking for it. I didn't want it. I was shown it uh, by a friend in junior high. I bumped into it at uh, a, at a pawn shop with my grandfather. Not that he was showing me, but I was. Uh, you know, I was down a different aisle. He was looking at this aisle, and those things don't go away. An indelible mark. Yeah. Indelible. Absolutely. It was. A it does not fade for me. Yes. That's what I was thinking about this morning. Like it was a hook in me that just made my whole conscience and my eyes. Um, it had a searing effect. Yeah. That um, the world was different now. Yes. Women are different now. Yes. Uh, I'm different now. Yeah. And the the idea of and, and another thing and no fault to my my parents or church or anything. But at that age, I, I didn't. I don't think I could have a concept of the image of God to combat those images. Right? With. No, like you can't. My, I, there's, there's. I'm not even the the age, mentally, morally, um, neurologically, you know, conceptually about meaning to have something to combat that with. Right. To go. I see that but I'd know something different. No images are learning. You know, what I see is, is I'm filtering things in and it's just adding to the, the database of right and wrong and normal mm-hmm. and familiar. And, um, it's so, uh, it, it's, it's such a, such a deep lasting effect, um, yeah. that it has. And then, then you add to the fact, like, you know, I just said I could remember two to three images. And you add to the fact that you, you get kids in there today, and if you have, a, you have a child that will go months undetected online, and they're just at will, they can't even remember. I mean, the, right. the amount of pattern setting and neurological paths that are set, plus the right. physical, plus the adrenaline, plus the secrecy yeah. patterns, plus the... Um, uh, the the power and the pleasure that comes with feeling like you're in control. I mean, it is just so. When it, when it comes to how damaging can this be, it's difficult to grasp the, uh, you know, how far the tentacles reach here, right? Into your your psyche, your mind, your biology, your spirit, your soul, the guilt. I mean, just the guilt that comes with having seen things yeah. as as a child and yeah. wondering who to who n- never actually wanted to talk to anybody mm-hmm. you know about it's just so doubling down so it just I, i'm like you i'm like ban it all you know yeah. like there, there's there's no way i think it's not I, I don't think you're gonna live in a society on this side of jesus returning and the kingdom being established where Pornography doesn't exist, where pornography gets banned in its totality. Uh, sensuality is going to be inaccessible. I mean, we're past that in te- technologically, but our it should be really hard for our kids to access this stuff. 
It should be difficult. Yeah. Um, in, in our society, and it's it's a matter of. But I think you're I think you're right to go back to like Obergefell, and in yeah. uh, cases leading up to Obergefell as well, like the the Texas case that, uh, you know, what is the government's role here? And I do yeah. think it's interesting that we've said, you know, the Obergefell case says we we have an interest in this. The Constitution has something to say about it. And now here we are, you know, this many, you know, just a few years later going, well, do we yeah. or do we not? Yeah. Okay. Uh, oh, apparently the Constitution has something to say about this, does it? Yeah. Well, now you've yeah. got a job to do. <clears throat> yeah. So do it, you know? Yeah. Do you? And you have to ask people who are arguing for uh, liberality uh, in, in terms of freedom and, and access uh, and – I mean, that's one of the things a lot of people have said is if you if you block kids off social media, like if you make social not just pornography, but if you give social media an age, I mean, one of the arguments has been uh, trans kids, depressed kids, uh, all kinds of kids are not going to have access to affirming care. They're not going to have access to counseling. They're not going to have access to uh, groups uh, who can uh, who can help them, and so. That's like a form in their mind of like child abuse, and you know, that's that's like an extension of the the kind of idea like the California law that seems to be opening up that if you're you know if you're not an affirming parent, the government can step in and say, well, you can't not affirm your kids and their gender identity and CPS having different you know stronger powers there in those cases. Well, you know. This is this is um, <clears throat> there's there's another devious side to this, which uh, is going uh, undisrupted, I think, in much of in civil conversation, which is there's some who are actively wanting the sexualization of our children mm-hmm. and who are fighting for it. Mm-hmm. And that is something that needs to be squashed immediately. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. and, and, and that is, there is, there is a parent parental aspect to that, right? That mm-hmm. your kids, that is abuse to sexualize your children mm-hmm. actively, especially, but you know, if it happens, you know, because of like one of these things that we're talking about, you know, that's one thing, but if you're actively working towards it, I mean, there, there's, I get very old Testament when it comes to stuff like that, you know, (laughs) Um, but, uh, but there, there are people who are so perverse that they're actively working toward the sexualization of children. Mm -hmm. And there is a governmental aspect of that too, that with stunning speed, they should prosecute to the, to the extent blah, 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 blah. What does Romans thirteen mean? Yeah, if it does, if it doesn't, if it doesn't mean, mean that, you're right. Come, be, come between your kids and society, and their perversion and their yeah. their abuse and yeah. their you know sexual indoctrination. What is it? What yeah. does it mean? Yeah, you know. And no, I don't is, think anybody like this is. I mean, this probably is maybe going too far into politics and things like that. But oh well, we're already there. Uh, the the whole every time some government official says our kids, I'm like that. That to me, that is part of the problem. You know, is mm-hmm. these are not your kids. Mm-hmm. These are the kids of parents in this country. Mm-hmm. You know, and they do not want their kids to be sexualized. Mm-hmm. You know, so. I think on the whole anyway. So government has a has a responsibility to protect its citizens. And yeah, look at this. I'm like I I actually this this becomes a I, I love your neighbor has been significantly stretched and abused over the years, but this becomes a situation like what do I love other people's kids? I I take personally responsible. If you make pornography free and accessible to three year olds, 
that that's not going to change how I'm going to parent my kids as a Christian and how I'm going to order my home and how mm-hmm. I'm going to try to protect my children uh, from being introduced to those things unnecessarily at an early age. That has nothing to do with the other children in, in our country. Mm-hmm. I mean, who, you know, we've got divorced kids, uh, you know, kids from divorced families, broken homes everywhere. Um, absent present fathers you know that like i'm just not even sure that the idea that you know let parents take this is some form is in some way good for our society that it's Mm. going to be a good answer Mm. i just don't think that's the case and it's the same for abortion like is it you know should the government be invested in this even if um you know, regardless on a moral basis, of course, of course, you know, what it, it's not just about, well, I'm, you know, I'm not going to do this. So I'm, I'm free to, you know, not, not get in there on that, but it's, um, is the government going to care for its citizens period or mm-hmm. not? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's yeah. crazy times that we're, that we're in. I, it's, it's, uh, definitely, unique challenges for our government something yeah. to pray about in our government you know i think this would be something to bring up in our pastoral prayers on sunday mornings we're praying as churches um this comes up when it comes to, to voting and when we're talking about this with with other people um you know under understanding what were what we actually asking the government to do? What does God actually yeah. ask the government to do? There's tons of implications there. Yeah. Still, you know, word to the parents is you have a responsibility, you know, and, mm-hmm. and nothing uh, will remove, no government activity or inactivity will remove that responsibility from your shoulders. Mm-hmm. You will answer for it and you will give an account and that is what we, we we preach. I mean, the very basis of what we, the reason we stand up at behind a pulpit Sunday by Sunday and preach from the Bible is because we believe there's life after death and that everyone is going to stand before the throne of God and give an account. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what that's going to look like exactly, but I know that all of Jesus says every careless word um, is going to be brought to attention. Um, so if that's the case, then careless parenting surely will be, um, since these are your children that he's entrusted to you. And so you have a responsibility, and there's, there's a pressure that the culture will put on you and on your kids that says your kids are different, that they don't fit in because they don't have this or they don't have that, or they're not – they don't have a cell phone or they whatever. And maybe other parents don't get it, but that's not your responsibility. I mean, the other kids, other parents, your kid fitting in, your kid being well, making friends and, and things like that. And, you know, whatever fitting in with the rest of the kids is not your responsibility. Mm-hmm. Your responsibility is to raise them in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And there are active agents that you cannot see working against you in that endeavor mm-hmm. always. And I, I'm telling you one massive active agent that you kind of can see is the programming that's taking place through these private activities, like, you know, through cell phone accessible through smartphones and, and all those kinds of things. And it fundamentally changes your children. Mm-hmm. And you have a responsibility in raising them in the fear and admiration of the Lord. No government activity or inactivity will ever remove that from you. So, yeah. you know, I think it's just an encouragement to parents to just keep going and it's going to get exhausting and it's tiring and you're going to mess up and there's always going to be places where you go, man, I wish I had not done that or I wish I had seen that or I, I wish I had watched that movie first before we watched it as a family or whatever. There's always going to be those kinds of times, but you know, that doesn't remove your responsibility from actively working, you know, against mm-hmm. the reprogramming of your children. Mm-hmm. So protect them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. All right. See you next week. See you.
listening to the fire and bones podcast if you enjoyed this podcast consider subscribing or following the show on your favorite listening platform so you can be notified every time a new episode is released consider leaving us a generous review if that's an option for you and most importantly share this podcast with someone that you think might benefit from it be sure to check the show notes for any relevant links including our contact information feel free to reach out to us with any questions you might have thanks for listening and we'll see you next time on the fire and bones podcast Thank you.